is the K-pop cast, bringing you the best sounds and ideas in K-pop each episode. In this episode, we'll be introducing you to some spicy K-pop song and how you content recommendations. Joining us for this discussion is Syed. You know him as the founder of Genius Korea. He's a freelance journalist, and Michaela also told me to say he's a K-pop chat hype man. So welcome, Syed, to the K-pop cast. Hi, everyone. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on K-pop cast. Uh, My name is Syed. I am the founder of Genius Korea, which is part of the lyric website Genius. It's the big yellow one you might have seen around on the internet. We focus on Korean music, so lyrics and translations for your favorite Korean artists. And yeah, I'm happy to be here. Well, well welcome back, because I've yeah, obviously back. been on the show before, but uh, always a mm-hmm. pleasure to have you and in, in your thoughts Definitely. And your voice and everything. But who, are, who are you? <laughs> Wait, who? Oh, me. I, I'm DJ Peter Lowe. Um, yeah, yeah, K-pop DJ. And I'm your, your PD name, Michaela. Hello, everybody. Hello, um, Michaela. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also don't forget to sign up for our newsletter and join our Slack community. Yep, we've got links to both of those in the description of this episode. All right, let's move on to our hit replays. So in case you're new to the show, hit replays are simply the very best songs in K-pop that we recommend you check out. So to kick things off, what's your hit replay, PVNIM? Yeah, kicking it off with the bestest hit replay. Oh, the, the best only the okay. very bestest. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So my hit replay this week is uh, CSR or Tosarang, uh, pop question mark pop exclamation mark. They are a new group that has just debuted back in July, actually. So this is kind of bringing back an older hit replay, and they have taken a very hard turn from the the dark girl crush sound to what we now refer to as uh, Christian horse girl music, right, Peter? <laughs> um, so you yeah. can think of, yeah, you can think of it as kind of like uh, 2015, 2016, like Lovelies, April, Laboom, G-Friend, and I'm so nostalgic for this sound and I love this song. So you're, you're you're nostalgic for Christian horse girl music? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, 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 no. Is that no. what you actually, grew up with? Actually, that's I am very not. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this 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 kind of sound from you know again this this 2015 2016 girl group sound for me is like my my favorite kind of bubbly cutesy girl group music. Mm. But I feel like they're definitely taking that sound and applying sort of these fourth gen kind of styles to it. Mm, um, yeah. Especially like in the performance, like these girls are moving like the like the tuts, like the cute little bubble tuts are so I, I just love every time they do it. But this is their debut. So if you guys don't know CSR or Chotsarang, they used to be known as 05 class before they they 
that was their pre-debut name because they're all born in 2005. That is um, So crazy. they're all like 15, <laughs> technically 17 in, in Korean age. Um, so they're a new girl group under pop music. They debuted in July 27th which is when this came out with the mini album sequence 7272, which is like like an angel number or like a, a good luck number. And the group is composed of seven members, Shua, Shiyeon, Yuna, Soyeon, Duna, Gumki, and Yeham. And like, like I said, they're really coming out of the gate with this sort of nostalgic girl group sound which I think is really kind of setting them apart and especially bringing in the, I would say the second and, and third gen fans into these, this new fourth gen group. Second and third gen because of the sounds of that era? Yeah. 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 How, how did you even find them? Like, it, what, the, less, less than a million views? Not that mm-hmm. views are indicative of, of quality. Or... Well, it's so, it's so funny you asked, Peter, because, you know, just one day I hit shuffle on the K-pop cast 2022 K-pop comebacks playlist on YouTube. <laughs> okay, And it yes. was just the first thing that popped up, and it was the only thing I listened to that day. So if you guys wow. are listening, are looking for your next hit replay, <laughs> go check out that playlist on our YouTube channel, guys. Link in the description, I guess. <laughs> yes, link in the description for, for that playlist. Yeah, but Peter, what is your hit replay for this week? All right. So we all know the esteemed and venerable artist, Ash B. Yes. For songs with titles such as Dick Up Freestyle, <laughs> Booty, Bounce That A Dollar Sign Dollar Sign. <laughs> Anyway, yes. it's her song, <laughs> Girls Back Home, as my hit replay for this in case you didn't already know about Ashby, and believe me, we, we talk about Ashby all the time on this podcast if you're not, if it's your first time listening to this podcast. But she made history by how she tragically lost to Jen Soyeon, an unpretty rap star. But since that point, she's had a remarkable comeback in her career. Um, according to kprofiles.com, Ashby is a South Korean rapper who debuted under Stone Music Entertainment on September 5th, 2014 with the digital single, Who Here? She's now an independent artist. And just a couple other personal side notes I'll add about Ashby. Her song, Santa Baby, it's got to be one of my favorite K-pop Christmas songs of all time. And also just be really careful about following Ashby on Instagram because like it right. can really yeah. like you know I, I like I, I was just opening up the gram one day and then like suddenly like you know I've got a screen full of Ashby booty um, <laughs> so just just watch out for that anyway girls back home it's a hit replay for me because one the beat it, yes it's it's, yeah. it's a good you know hip hop friendly jam admittedly the lyrics are very nonsensical. Right. Like it, it doesn't make sense. And I'm willing to bet it probably doesn't make much sense in Korean either. But it's, you know, your typical girl crush. I am the best. Look at me. I'm so sexy. Mm-hmm. Sort of style that I'm getting from the lyrics. And 
it's got a lot of uh, suggestive nudge, nudge, wink, wink, um, visual metaphors <laughs> and symbols <laughs> on here. So, you know, you know, girls like you know, gratuitously uh, sucking on bananas, lemons, or limes, mm-hmm. sucking cupcakes. I, anyway, I'm, I'm just <laughs> guessing that maybe these are different types of genitalia that that they're uh, getting at with the song. But yeah, like I, I don't think you need to like to it for many other reasons than that. Like this is just a fun, gratuitous, good song, hip hop, sexy vibes. What did you think about the Lee Young Ji feature? She's popping off these days. Yeah, yeah. she's featuring in all the things, right? Especially with Jen Soyeon, I'll add. But I don't know. I don't think she added as much to this song. I mm-hmm. think like her voice, uh, like the, the what it was it the like the lower tones of yeah. her voice went well with the beat. But that being said, I think I would have preferred either just this version of her singing the song alone, or Ashby alone. Just because I, I feel like if you can make the song even shorter. It might even be better. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. See, I w- I would say the opposite because I love. I think that the contrast of their voice really adds to the song for me. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. I think her deeper tone yeah, is like really unique. And whenever she features on a track, like it's like almost like a you get a whiplash, and you're like, yeah, <laughs> right. Even in the comments, like people who don't know who she is, they were so surprised by how deep her voice exactly. is, especially compared to Ashby. <laughs> And I mean, like, her Instagram post with Ashby was the reason why it went so viral. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait, really? Why? Why? Wait, say more about that, Sad. Well, it was, like, Ashby posing for her photo shoot for this single, and Lee Young-ji was there as well. And, like, there's, like, a really interesting photo of them together. And that Instagram post... Interesting how? Well, it's basically um, Lee Young-ji putting a hand in front of, you know, Ashby's parts. Just look oh. it up, okay? I am... I'm just describing things for the listeners. You know, they, they don't have it up in front of them. So, you know, I'm just you know giving yeah. them the background on their Young-ji behalf. Because Young-ji is like is like a grown-up now and is like drinking on shows and touching up on rappers. Yeah. <laughs> And um, I mean, that Instagram post has like so many hits. So I think the collaboration went viral because of that. But yeah, it's an interesting song. Yeah, although I I gotta say like the YouTube thumbnail could have been better for this. Like, it's not a problem with having the two of them on it, but it's just like, it doesn't feel like as symbolically connected to the song or the concept Mm -hmm. itself. So anyway... Um, okay, let's turn it over to you, Sayed. So what's your hit replay for this episode? Yeah, so my we have been all over the place, right? We went from pop to hip-hop. My hit replay is this twinkly indie rock song called Ballroom Extravaganza by DPRTN. <laughs> or um, Christian Yu, he released his second album called 
mood swings into order. Um, and there aren't any like uh, specified singles for this album. It's more、mm. like Renaissance by Beyonce, where it's like you have to listen to the whole album <laughs> to experience it. <laughs> right.、Um, but yeah, Ballroom Extravaganza is like an indie rock song that gives you a f- good taste of you know, the style of songs that he's trying to go for with this project. And yeah, if you haven't heard of DPREN, he is a member of the DPR gang.、Um, that stands for, I believe, Dream Perfect Regime. And、yes. <laughs> <laughs> he is usually clubbed with DPR Live, who's like a K hip hop artist. Really cool、um, rapper as well.、Uh, DPREN, Christian, he is a Korean Australian singer songwriter. Before he debuted as DPREN, he was heavily focused with. Visuals, so he was also like a music video director and stuff like that. And his, for his first album, Mood Swings in This Order, he released a visual documentary for, to go along with it. And he did the same with、mm-hmm. this new album as well.、Um, part one is out right now, so you can go watch that. And it's really cool. It's just so intriguing, like the set designs, the costumes, the editing. It's just. It's a visual masterpiece, honestly. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole journey. Yeah. And so, wait, wait so, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs>、uh, I was just going to ask you to dive more into that. Like, so, what, what is it about those visuals that makes it so intriguing? Oh,、um, I mean, it's just like it makes you, because the lyrics itself are, for example, with Ballroom Extravaganza, it's not very straightforward. You can't、mm-hmm. just like read the lyrics and be like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what he's talking about. So, you d- really need to like have a deeper analysis of the lyrics. And I think the visuals really help with that in terms of, like, for example, Ballroom Extravaganza is a song about how、um, his emotional downfall was such a public spectacle because he has、mm-hmm. been very open about his struggles with bipolar disorder and、um, other mental illnesses. So, The visual itself does a very good job of, you know, how it's like he's dressed up in these like really、um, glamorous and glittery outfits,、um, showcasing how, you know, it's like it's almost like a colorful spectacle. But deep down, he,、mm-hmm. like in one of the shots, he does not have an eye. Like that's one of the key、mm-hmm. elements of his visuals these, with this album is like he, the eyeball doesn't exist. So, yeah, he's playing around with lots of themes and motifs and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it's just fun to look at if you're not really into like analyzing the song too, too much. But if you are into that, then it's like a really good supplement for the album itself. And it's a very、yeah. sad song. I think, like, with. <laughs> right. It's a very sad song. <laughs> totally. Yeah, we, even without. Going through that layer of analysis, like just listening to the song and then looking at the music video as you described,、mm-hmm. you can feel that like emotional conflict and tension between, I, I think, what you're describing, like these highlights and these low lives,、mm-hmm. low life moments. Yeah, it really goes back to his、um, motif of like he has bipolar disorder and he's very open about it. And he explains it in his interviews about how, you know, he has his highs and he has his valleys. And those two are like、mm-hmm. completely, almost like completely different p e r s o n And his、mm-hmm. songs also display that where the song sounds really bright and sounds really uplifting. But when you look at the lyrics, it's very sad and it's very 
almost very cinematic in a way. Like it's almost, you know, like talking mm. about a tragedy, like a Shakespearean yeah, tragedy. Yeah, he's even yeah. expressed in, in his interviews, I believe, like like he is almost in a way playing a, a character of himself. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's not, not the person that we're seeing isn't necessarily a hun- like Christian you. It's this character I think he's calling Mido. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, for, I know it's an acronym for something, but I can't remember it, what it means. It's actually uh, the, it's an acronym for the album name. So Mood Swings, M, oh, in right. yes. to order. So it, it's a play mm-hmm. on that. And then his second album is also, it also fits into that acronym. <laughs> but yeah, he's playing a character with Christian Yu and then DPR, Ian and Maito. So there are, as of now, there are three characters that he is um, incorporating in his music. Is it common for him to do a lot of English only stuff? Or maybe maybe that's more than like his natural. Yeah, I mean, like, he has to explained it in for... his interviews where, I mean, he, so for a lot of people who might not know this, he was an ex K pop idol. Yeah. Yeah, he used to be in Sea Clown. Clown under the name Rome. Yep. <laughs> and so he was, I guess you could say, one of the first like Australian K-pop idols um, yeah. back in second gen. And so, I mean, he has uh, he has uh, like publicly said that he was not very comfortable with Korean and it was a big struggle to like sing in Korean. So I guess it's just his natural instinct to go back to English because that's just his comfort zone. But so far, all the album, all the songs that he has released have been in English. Maybe a couple of demos here and there are in Korean. I believe he did a song with CL, where CL is the one who's rapping oh, in hey. Korean. <laughs> but he's always taking. Oh, I have to check that out. Yeah, it's called New, No yeah. Blueberries. No Blueberries. It's basically about how he does not like blueberries in his cupcake, ice, ice cake, cake, or ice cream, or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, I can get behind that. I, I can't believe I... Yeah, featuring CL. Okay, I'm looking this up right now. Okay, yeah. No, I, yeah. I can mess with this. And then sure. and then also very famously, Christian Yu. Sorry, just to get yeah. on this CL tangent. Features as the, the male lead in her Five Stars music mm-hmm. video. Yeah. And that did oh. not help with yeah, the that's, that's Christian Yu scandal and everything that's going on. <laughs> like a lot of people were like, oh my God, they're for sure dating. <laughs> And we're all here for it, aren't we? Because oh yes, they performed at um, Head in the Clouds festival, and like their chemistry together. Yeah, together they performed new, yeah. Ble- new blueberries, and their stage like chemistry was just like they have to be dating. Like there's no way they're not dating. <laughs> <laughs> every time they look at each other, every time she like touches him, it's just oh. Yeah, it's like fans reading into every little action, but it's like. This time it seems legitimate. <laughs> well, I I respect them and their choices. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even if they're no longer together, right? Like that that's fine. Like Right. I'm I'm gonna be happy with no matter what they choose for themselves. All right. Well that wraps it up for hit replays, aka song recommendations in K-pop. Up next, it's the how you thing that we want to talk about or how you doing. So, Syed, how you doing? What, 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 what in the K-pop scene uh, or, or, or extended how you, how you scene mm-hmm. um, that you want to share with our listeners? So, I am a very avid K-drama watcher. And 
recently I started Extraordinary Attorney Woo, which has been going viral on Twitter. And it's like one of the highest rated dramas right now. And it was such a good drama. I just, I remember I started it and I was very, a little bit skeptical because Mm -hmm. of the things that I was reading on Twitter um, and in the articles and stuff. But it's just, it's a really good drama. And I binged it all in one night and then I realized that it's not done yet. So I had to wait two weeks for the final episodes to come out. Oh my God, you'll trip and fall on your face over all those loose ends in that finale. Exactly. And then I saw (laughs) that they renewed it for a second season, which which is also, and once again, like it's a bit, I was a bit skeptical about it because K-dramas are known for, you know, they just have one season, they start off, they have a, you know, like a, storyline arc and then it's done but with like this new era of Netflix k-dramas and stuff like that we have been seeing lots of second seasons and third seasons come out and for this one I was like okay don't end it at a cliffhanger because I will just lose it (laughs) yeah and especially with with my kind of skepticism going into this I feel like a a second season will really be good especially since um if we haven't really covered this but a Attorney Wu is about an attorney who is who has autism, mm-hmm. and she specifically has sort of uh, this savantness where she is like an like an ultimate knowledge of criminal law in Korea. Like she has a photographic memory; she can recall every little thing she sees, which kind of helps her in in solving her cases and in acting as an attorney for her clients. Um, mm-hmm. But some of the issues that people have been having with this with the first season at least is it definitely feels like she's has these this the character of autism but it doesn't necessarily feel like a real representation of like what an autistic person uh, is in real life yeah. because they have all these characters like even the the idea of like savantness in autism is very rare so it this doesn't necessarily represent a real autistic person but it has definitely raised awareness for autism in Korea but right now with what the first season is, I don't think it's necessarily like moved a meter in like improving the livelihood of people who are autistic in Korea. I think it just kind of opened people's eyes to kind of like what it is kind of like for some people who have autism, but not necessarily. Yeah. 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 I think for me personally, at least what I did like about the show was that in the episodes, they did talk about how autism is a spectrum and not everybody yes. will fit into, like, just because she is this, you know, like, amazing criminal law person, you know, like, she's top of the class. And um, she was, I believe, like, she was reigned as, you know, this, like, ultimate lawyer. Not everybody will fit into that characteristic. So there are elements of the show that are good, in terms of how they are representing autism, because it's a fictional show, there are a lot of things that you it's, know. It's still a K drama. Like she's still gonna run into the perfect male lead yeah. in the first like five minutes, <laughs> like, and he's just sparkling and dazzling, exactly. and she's he's like the perfect green flag for her. Like in like, <laughs> and the male lead is like perfectly like he knows how to interact with people with mental disability. And, yeah, like, like he, he volunteered with at, like a like a. I don't know. What is it called, Michaela? 
I, I can't remember exactly, but he's he's has a lot of experience yeah. of with people with autism, like definitely more than the average Korean person would. Mm-hmm. So he just mm-hmm. kind of uh, appears magically as like the perfect romantic lead for her while she's like trying to figure out her career as an attorney. <laughs> Is there a cautiously optimistic second male lead also vying for her attention in it? This, no, no this drama did not have a second lead. They tried to put, put oh. a second lead on, but he was just more of a mentor character yeah. in the show. And I don't think they ever like had a romantic interaction between the two characters, which I personally enjoyed for once. <laughs> right. It was, again, green flags everywhere with this one. Yeah, and like her colleagues were supportive. Her boss was supportive. Her CEO was supportive. I was just like, wow. We actually talked about this drama on our last episode. And I think it was K-pop sociology or maybe it was Virginia. They, they mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. But there was also another character on, on the show who was also on the spectrum. But they were trying to, I guess, what they liked was that it was a contrast, like, hey, not all people are high-functioning. Yeah, there was a, a client in the case. Uh, he was he was definitely on, like, the stronger end of the autism spectrum where he wasn't as, as you know, high-functioning as she was. Yeah. And again, it was, she kind of, like, their interactions with each other and how, it, you know, the other characters interact with them was a good, yeah. you know, contract and representation, especially since the whole show you're following her and you know while she she isn't necessarily completely high functioning as like some some people on the the other side of the spectrum she's still kind of like the more idealized version of what um I somebody yeah, yeah who has autism I, and that's what i also enjoyed like it was um like for example that case, the specific case about the boy uh, with autism um she is she said that are you appointing me as his lawyer just because i have autism and I thought that was a very good sort of moment in the show where, you know, like they are questioning those kinds of things uh, that we yeah. do in society where, oh, if you are yeah. if you are a similar person from a similar background, you should be, you should work with them just because you have like a similar, you know, just right. one trait that's similar yeah. between the two of you. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that comes up in comments of like just Korean culture in general, like especially like getting into like law culture where it's like, oh, that judge, he went to our our college. So maybe he'll like mm-hmm. look at oh us favorably <laughs> in this case. Wow. But no. those, cre- those moments created some really good, like laughable moments in the show. Yeah. yeah. He's our he's our Sunday nim, right? So he'll he'll treat us nicely, yeah. right? No. <laughs> One thing I also enjoyed about this show was like, it wasn't like a very dark law show. You know, a lot of the times when we have law in K-dramas, it right. just becomes like so depressing and so well, dark. <laughs> it's often murder involved. There's there's murder. Like, I feel like a great contrast to this is like, um, was it Juvenile Justice is a great example of a newer yeah. K-drama where it's like very dark yeah. and very sad. And, and this is very much so... Peter, I don't know if you you listened to it, but like when I went to to KCON, um, mm-hmm. there was a talk about kind of like what Gen Z culture is attracted to, especially in oh, Korean media. I was media. just starting to listen to that. Yeah, yeah, and so and so um, the the UCLA professor, she she was talking about how this idea of like agitagiham and like how you know even there's this like cuteness and this like really loveliness to how these dark or maybe like sad 
concepts are presented, mm-hmm. which really is like a forefront in this show. Yeah. Like every time she mm. has like a like a, a epiphany about a case, she sees yeah. like a whale popping out <laughs> in the so ocean. Cute. <laughs> or she'll see or she'll like vision a whale like in the air swimming through the courtroom. It's just it's very like visually like mm-hmm. cute. But I guess that was also a point of criticism for this show because a lot of people criticized it for portraying some of the darker themes in like a very lighthearted way. For example, one of the characters has stage three or four stomach cancer and they Uh just sort of made it like, oh, he's just in the hospital, you know, like he's joking around and stuff like that. And so a lot of people criticized the show for that as well. Mm. Yeah, Attorney Jung. Oh my God. Yeah. See, because he's played by, he's played by Kang Ki-young, which who is... It was an actor who I'm happy is having his own little moment with this show as being kind of like the lesser known in the cast. And he, he his performance in the show has been just knocking it out of the park. And I'm so excited for him yeah. as, as, a, as a fan who found him from um, What's, What's Wrong, wrong with, with Secretary, Secretary Kim. Yes. Like, yeah. He's always played the, like the comedic sidekick. And so I'm like really yeah. happy that he's very, very comedic roles. Yeah. But you know, comedic actors always tend to like knock it out of a park when it comes to very dramatic For scenes sure. and very dramatic characters. For sure. Okay, so season two. Let's. I have let's really see high expectations from season two. <laughs> but but Peter, uh, how you been? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I found this one super in depth article about this, like, really particular but niche thing to K-pop. Right. Which is the styling of K-pop in-ear monitors. So have you ever been to a K-pop concert and you've seen your idols and they've got, like, you know, little headpieces in their ears? If you look really closely, you'll see that they're actually got like very specific details that yeah. are often like designed to to map and go along with uh, you know the concept that they're you know dancing or performing to. Not not to like mansplain this if you guys already <laughs> know it, but like the, the reason why these monitors are important, you know, from a technical performance yeah, a- point of view, is because you need yeah. to be able to hear yourself. So like if if you're singing or let's say you're talking, but you can't actually hear yourself, your brain just has a hard time processing. Like it's not, that's, it's not to say that it's impossible, but it's like hearing your voice, especially when you're singing, when you're trying to make sure that you're, you know, you're hitting your notes and delivering the right way. um, That's important. And also getting a good balanced mix of not only your own voice, but the music and stuff, because, you know, I even face this when I'm DJing, right? Like if I if I'm trying to beat match into the next song that's playing, but if I was listening to the music that's being broadcast out into the hall in front of me, sometimes there's latency, delays, reverb, echoes, just crowd screaming that maybe it's like a half second behind what I'm actually controlling on the computer. So that could like really mess you up. Um so being able to listen, it's often why you see DJs with like headphones on, for example helps them in their performance. The same thing with K-pop idols. So anyway, we'll we'll link this article in the episode description. But this article does like a really phenomenal job of showing like, well, what K-pop 
custom in-ear monitors got more social <laughs> attention than others. Uh, which ones, uh, from a technical performance point of view, are, are better than others? So I, I just like it just because it's like this thing that, you know, you could easily skim over or miss, but it's like, it's just so much, Yeah. like, one, the article has a great attention to detail, but the craft itself mm-hmm. of custom Yeah, they're all monitors, very pretty. They're very pretty. Yeah. Yeah. There's just so much I, visual detail that goes into them. I think I remember one where um, it was EXO. And during one of their, uh, you know, the, they released live concert DVDs and stuff. So it had a little bit of a, a clip of their mics and their headpieces and stuff like that. And it was like designed specifically to match the outfit and the lighting that is going to be mm-hmm. on the stage so it doesn't right. stand out as yeah. much. So yep. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And I feel like also this is, in-ear monitors are are kind of things that are used in, in fandom wars as a sign of like, look, 17 used to have to use like Apple earbuds and now they've got these beautiful <laughs> sculpted things. They, they, they came up so far. Yeah. I never even they thought about it tape, that way. They used to tape those earbuds to their head. <laughs> and now they now they each have a custom set. Wow. It's like almost like the uh, the mic, microphone itself, where it's like, it's glittered and it's like star, like, you know, mm-hmm. studded with like gems and stuff. And yeah. But you know what? This article reminded me of that. Have you seen that TikTok or Twitter clip that is going around about of uh, Rina Sawayama, is that how you say her name? Mm-hmm. And she basically showed in the video what she hears when she puts in the earpiece. And it's basically like she oh. goes up on stage and there is the countdown, three, two, one, in her ear. And then she starts singing. Mm-hmm. And so it's basically because the crowd is so loud, if she doesn't have it in her ear, she doesn't know when to start. So it also has like, it's a very cool video. You should check it out. It's probably somewhere on the twi- on Twitter or TikTok. But yeah, yeah, I'm looking up the the tweet that uh, you're referencing in the TikTok right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but we'll we'll link this as well. Okay. Yeah, this is this is yeah, really good at illustrating the concept. So uh, we're we're gonna add a special guest. How you doing? Thing. Uh, this comes from you know him. Um, what is it? San Francisco Chronicle, date book, contributor, K-pop music writer, uh, Todd. And he sent in this audio recording. What's up, K-pop cast listeners? It's your boy, Todd. Now, like many of you, I read the Stray Kids billboard cover story, and I was watching the online reaction. The story has its faults, yes. It used a bunch of tired tropes about K-pop, about the age of the crowd, the, the concert, and comparing them to BTS. The more fringe elements of the Stay fan base were calling on the publication to omit or rewrite certain parts that they didn't like. Now, it's one thing to disagree with the content of a story. It's an entire other thing to demand that the publication cut factual parts of the story out and replace them with more positive coverage. The chilling thing about it is that the publication billboard appears to have caved and removed some references applying to Stray Kids' origin story. And that's that was done just to please this mob. Um, these fans need to know that journalism, it's not PR. It's not fan service. 
If they disagree with the author, that's fine. If the magazine made a factual error, they should change it and run a correction. And I just checked and there was no correction issued. Now, journalists shouldn't negotiate with online mobs. I've been a music journalist for over 30 years. And I will say this, this fucks up the game for all of us because now, maybe for the last couple of years, they feel emboldened, they feel entitled, thinking if they put enough pressure on the writers or the editors, they'll change something that they don't agree with. Um, Sorry, but that's not how this works. If you don't like something you read, it's okay to complain about it. Heck, start your own blog or magazine, but don't start demanding rewrites like you're an editor. This ain't Applebee's, where you can send your steak back if it's not cooked exactly how you want it. All right. And I I don't think I said enough context at the beginning there, but as Todd described, there was this big profile story on Billboard uh, featuring Stray Kids. Yeah. Um, But uh, as he got into it, you know, model fans liked it. So what do you guys think? You know, I I agree. I just, it it was just so weird to... Um, but I, I don't know, maybe it's just because I hadn't been on that kind of stand Twitter in a second, just seeing all these people. You're disrespecting Stray Kids by mentioning Hyunjin's scandal. You're disrespecting Stray Kids by mentioning that Woo Jin used to be in the group and is not in more, anymore. And it's just just basic history of, of the group. It, are you just trying to pretend like those things didn't happen, even though they did? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you, Michaela? I just, I can't, I don't really understand how that that disrespects the group in in any way. I feel like that's disrespectful to the group to deny them their history and the things that they've gone through to get to the point that they are at now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with where, like, I mean, yeah, there were a lot of flaws with this article. You know, there were, as Todd mentioned, like, you know, comparing them to BTS and, you know like the age of the crowd and all that stuff. But I do want to play the devil's advocate for just a minute because... Okay, yeah. So, you know, like the history of Stray Kids, right? Wu Jin's presence in the the group, Hinyan scandal, stuff like that. That is all part of it. So yeah, they are going to mention it. But what a lot of times people don't mention, this is a huge profile on Stray Kids, right? So there should be a mention of mm-hmm. Three Racha and their pre-debut era and the mm. stuff that they made, which was so unprecedented in fourth gen, you know, in K-pop. Like they, they talked yeah. about so many serious issues through their music and through their lyrics that are never mentioned in things when we are talking about Stray Kids or, you know, in this huge article about Stray Kids from Billboard, from, you know, journalists who are supposed to be doing their research. And so I do think that those things should have been mentioned as well. But I also agree that erasing Wu Jin's presence in the show, in the group and Hyunjin's scandal could have been avoided. I mean, I'm not like a very big <laughs> fan of that mention. But I mean, not including Wu Jin as, you know, their history has, that would be disrespectful because everybody talked about how like him leaving and then them and then the group releasing God's Menu, one of their biggest hits had such a big impact mm-hmm. on their career. So that mm-hmm. is definitely a defining moment for them. So, yeah, I think I, I agree yeah. where states are coming from. But at the same time, yeah, you should not 
like you can complain about it and you can, you know, write your Twitter threads upon threads. But <laughs> demanding for like a rewrite for do specific things, like demanding a rewrite for, you know, why the hell do you need to mention BTS? And why do you need to say it's all bunch of tweens at their concerts and stuff like that? Like those things are disrespectful. But the Wujin mention, like he was part of the group, just accept it and move on. So, like, if I understand your your point of view correctly, said, and I think this is also especially helpful to hear, especially in your role as um, founder <laughs> of Genius Korea, <laughs> right? You know, another right. steam publication. Like, you're okay with some changes, and and fans asking for those changes, but I think not the factual. Yes. So I think. So, for example, a couple of weeks ago, Twitter went on. Twitter mm -hmm. was on fire because there was an article <laughs> about a journalist going on her army journey, and she wrote about the fandom and BTS and everything. But then mm -hmm. she also mentioned Shiny's Jonghyun and his unfortunate passing away, and he, yeah. she mentioned right. Big Bang. And those were things that you were talking about BTS. You were talking about how you are, you know, how about your journey as an army. Those things are irrelevant to your point. They don't add anything of material to your article. Why do you need to mention it? Is it just like to get the clicks, or is it a biased point of view, or whatever it is? So for from that, like in that in this stray kids profile on Billboard, I would say like the mention of BTS or the age of the crowd, those things fans can demand, like those are not inappropriate, those are irrelevant. We would rather have you delete those things compared to Bujin's presence in the group or Hyunjin's scandal or anything like that. Like those are factual part of their story that defined the music that they make and where they are now. So to demand yeah, to remove exactly. those things, I think it's disrespectful and just plain rude to the work of that journalist. Mm -hmm. But to question the bias and question why the hell did you put in so many irrelevant details about other groups, that I think is okay to do. But I mean, it's obviously then it's up to the journalist to either rewrite it or make those, you know, fix those errors or whatever. But yeah. fans have the right yeah. to, you know, question it that at least, I think. Question, but, and then also, but not to attack. Mm -hmm. No, it's okay. <laughs> like, yeah, there's, 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 there's room for constructive criticism, but not blatant hate and, and trying to, to tear a journalist down because yeah. you don't like what they've written. Yeah, I definitely agree with that because... Stan Twitter is like notorious for this, where one bad review and you did not go to journalism school. Like the amount of hate that that journalist will get and the amount of just like blatant disrespect of like, you're a K-poppy journalist. You are like, what kind of school did you go to? What kind of, you know, like upbringing do you have? Like they'd start questioning so many things. It's just ridiculous. But yeah, no, I understand like, Constructive criticism is the way for the journalist to approach the artist and for the fans to approach the journalist. But this blatant sort of, you know, just hateful vulgarity that the Stan Twitter sometimes 
starts doing is just yeah mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't i don't like that <laughs> Yeah, because it's a very, I, we, I think we've talked about this in our in our ethical fan. It's like, there's a very like immediate emotional reaction for, I would say like a stray who, or a, a stay mm. who's like, who's reading this and thinks, this is bad for my group. This is disrespecting my group. There's an immediate like emotional response to that. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm well, not it's trying also to- because it's a part of their identity. It feels like an attack on yeah, their own self-worth. It's, it's, and- yeah. And I'm, I'm not trying to deny them their feelings. Like you, you can feel however you feel, but you should also be kind of processing why you're feeling these things before you go onto Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I think the line between, as Todd said, the line between like PR and journalism is getting really blurry, especially in K-pop, is where fans just look at articles as PR um, promotion, yeah. uh, right? And so yep. it's like, how how dare you say anything negative about them? Because it's if it's PR, it's supposed to be like really boastful and really braggy and really just like, you know, they're legendary stars and stuff like that. Hyperbole, and the best of the best. Yeah, the best of the best. Like nobody, like they're untouchable and stuff like that. And journalism is not that. It's, uh, it's, it shouldn't be that. You cannot, like, you know, if you're gonna, that's what, like, in journalism, we always have this saying where you should not copy paste directly from a PR release, from a press release, because the press release right. is just a complete, like, they're the best of the best. We are, like, the top group, you know, all right. that, like, just really glorious, glorified portrayal of that group. Yeah, especially in K-pop. Especially in K-pop, yeah. The idol image, which is so curated. Yeah, so I think fans Mm -hmm. are just, you know, they are blurring that line. And when K-pop journalists um, sort of start falling into that, then it becomes easier for fans to criticize because they're like, well, that person fixed it why can't you fix it <laughs> exactly right? yeah yeah it's the precedent that really concerns me yeah yeah it's funny so i i was for better or worse i i had a twitter conversation with someone who was making uh some of these like very specific like why the hell would you mm-hmm. you know yeah. include yeah, yeah. i saw your tweet you know asterisk mm. asterisk <laughs> you know you know pretending this person doesn't exist sort of thing and i i you know i i was just kind of perplexed and amused by like wow just the audacity just to say like don't acknowledge this reality yeah and and asking that i i was really surprised by but i think something that emerged in that conversation that i found startling was at least to that twitter user hey this should be just like other regular journalism articles in other words (laughs) the the PR, the press release, like that is the expectation, right? At least according to, you know, this one Twitter user, and that's not to say that that's representative of all yeah. fans mm-hmm. um, or Gen Z listeners, but, or readers, whatever. But I'm taking it as like an anecdotal proof point. Like I, I'm taking it <laughs> as like, oh God, like this is the expectation and the norm now that earned media hits are supposed to only be immaculate Jesus, idol does nothing wrong, worship 
praise them forever thing. Yeah. And, and it makes me even wonder, like, what what is the point for a lot of these K-pop labels to even go on a press tour when you already have the eyeballs and clicks on your own without needing the additional views? Um from from say like earned media coverage and my 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 theory and my guess is to get more of that external validation and legitimacy so that maybe you can you know go to advertisers or sponsors or whatever for brand deals be like oh yeah you know as seen by you know rolling stone or like as you know discussed here on like vanity fair or whatever right that that's my guess but if the point is you're trying to use earned media hits to instill legitimacy and validation, but those opportunities are baked in PR marketing efforts to begin with, then it's not really, inevitably, you're going to lose that clout and cachet that you would get from those earned media hits. But you know what? That's funny because then it backfires for every fandom because they the outlets and the people specifically working at these outlets see the drama that this fandom brings to their outlet and they don't want it. Mm -hmm. I have had, I've seen so many, um, and this is like outside of K-pop as well, but I've seen so many like radio show hosts, like DJs and stuff, just not include the artist. It's them like it completely in their Twitter polls and their tweets and stuff like that because they don't want that engagement on their Twitter account. They're just like, we're like, we're going to just completely ignore Blackpink exists or we're going to (laughs) completely ignore Taylor Swift exists because we don't want that interaction with the fandom itself. So fans really need to do a check of like, when they do these kind of things, how much is it actually going to help the artist? Because a lot of the times it's just going to backfire. Well, I think they're they're looking immediate, short term. Hey, we got to get to the top of this poll. Mm-hmm. Hey, we need to issue these quote unquote corrections in this story. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think there's that much of a long term vision or coordinated effort. Yeah, so my guess. You know what? I think it's like you will see the fan bases of don't do these things. It's mostly like uh, individual fan accounts who will start these kinds of campaigns because <laughs> fan bases are knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. They know that they need to make the network. They need to like, you know, work the network right. and like have like positive interactions with these outlets. Um, it's just like, you know, one fan account kind of thing will do it. And then just a whole bunch of fan accounts will retweet it. Mm-hmm. And and like I said, this isn't just, this isn't just stays. This is, this is something that is, exists across fandom. Yeah. Because in and it comes, it's funny how it comes in waves, especially as like new groups kind of make their way to the to the the top. Like, you know, before it was stays, it was armies. Before it was armies, it was XOLs. Before it was XOLs, it was Cassies. Like, yeah. it's not. This isn't just. We're not just focusing on this one thing. This is something that has happened and been going on for a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's <laughs> a <historical> thing. <laughs> Yeah. Well, again, I, I just worry about the the precedent that we're setting here on like the journalism front. I think like where I would disagree with you, Syed, like in my view of this mm-hmm. is like like I am similarly peeved by the lazy journalism using cliches to help, you right. know, yeah. flesh out a story like 
is anyone aside from the author himself comparing Stray Kids with BTS? Because I haven't seen that comparison before. Like, I, I think that's something that I myself would join in the critiques of. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you know, the journals can just live with those consequences, right? Like, the, you know, like they, they can be, or the publication, the editors, it can be like, yeah, that that probably wasn't good, you know, writing and style. But like, factually, maybe nothing wrong with it. But I don't think that that warrants the level of let's take this out without changing in like the, you know, the um, like in the article, like footnotes or whatever, like, you know, this article has been updated to remove, you know, whatever changes have been made. I think it's fine to issue corrections, like factual corrections in a, in a piece. Like yeah, uh, yeah, I definitely. do that all the time in my day job, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> working in public relations. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I would say like, you know, ha- you can disagree with things and you can be vocal about yeah. that. Uh, but it shouldn't get to the point of, therefore, write it exactly how I want you to write it. Yeah, I, you know what? I agree with that because, I mean, honestly, as you said, like Stray Kids and BTS comparison, like it doesn't really exist. <laughs> People don't really compare Stray Kids with BTS. People compare Stray Kids with other groups and BTS with other groups. And that was just a bit of a... Honestly, it was just to mention BTS. And I don't know if it's like a keyword thing or something in like search engine optimization or something. But um, I mean, I think it's it's a balance between fans questioning and being critical about the writing versus like, you know, emailing Billboard as like, you need to fire this journalist. You know, like that is an extreme that I don't condone. But like being on mm-hmm. Twitter and, you know, under the replies of that tweet or the article or whatever, um, being vocal about, hey, that was not really nice or that wasn't really like, you know, it didn't really do anything for you. I think that is okay. But yeah, I definitely agree. Like, you know, fans take it too far sometimes. Yeah. Like, you know, you you wouldn't expect a PR pro to hold this view, I guess. Maybe you would. I don't know. (laughs) But like, yeah, journalists shouldn't just write like what I give them. Like, that's the whole point. It's like I'm giving them the ingredients to kind of tell the story that they want to tell. Now, like... Maybe internally, like, you know, I'm being encouraged to, like, we'll try to nudge it in this direction yeah, and whatnot. Course. But, like... You have your own you bias know, in yeah. the situation. Yeah, but it's not a, you know, quid pro quo transactional thing between me and the journalist. Like, that's that's not how it should be. Yeah. And I say that as a PR professional. Yeah. The I think the fence. for journalists anyway. also, I will, I will say this. Like, for journalists, people need to do their research you know, you need to, like, yeah. there are a lot of articles that are just like, you did not click more than one Wikipedia page to do this article. <laughs> <laughs> like, it is just a complete copy-paste of the bio from Wikipedia. But, so, yeah, I mean, it's like, if you're going to do a big profile, if you're going to do, like, an analytical article about someone's songwriting or whatever. Like, for example, BTS, like, I, one of my biggest pet peeves is when they shrink it down to dynamite and butter. And like Ooh. nothing else existed before that. 
And I'm like, you can have your opinions about their evolution or whatever, like angle that you want to take, but acknowledge the fact that they had like amazing lyrics and amazing songs back in the day. Right. So, I mean, I feel like journalists need to also like do their research and don't cloak a really good point with a controversial headline. I feel like that's a big thing right now with articles and stuff where the headline or the caption or whatever is just trying to make them so catchy or clickable that people are just like, I hate this. So I'm not even going to read the rest of the article when the rest of the article might actually be really good. Yeah. Speaking of what, what, what should we title this episode? Say, I'd want to let us know. Let's, let's talk about that. More. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Let, let's move along. Okay. Um, let, let's wrap things up here. Okay, so Daybuck or not, rapid fire. I'll, rapid I'll list fire. the thing, and then you say whether you're Daybuck or not on it. And I can provide a little bit more background if you're not familiar with the thing. Okay. Okay, so you get it? You get the rules? Mm-hmm. You ready? Yes, let's go. Okay, okay. Sun me telling an overzealous fan to shut up at the New York show. Are you Daybuck <sighs> or not on that? I am Daybuck. So I am Daybuck too. Go Sun me. Yeah, yes. say to the Bach on that. Good to have these boundaries. And I love that mm-hmm. president, honestly. And especially because it's Sunmi. Yes. Like she is she is a veteran performer. She knows how to control a stage. Um, I, I don't know necessarily if any a newer or less experienced artist could have like handled the situation in the yeah. same way and had the audience on their side. But the the, the audience was like cheering her oh, on when her. she yeah, said yeah. it. And she was even really cute about it. She was like, Pizoso, which is like like, you mad? Like, I love you. You know I love you, but shut up. I went to her show in 2019 and like her stage presence is just like any other. Like she can just be on the stage by herself and it's just mesmerizing. But yeah, no, it's like you do. You say it once, you are like an excited fan. You say it twice, you are a very excited fan. But three times, just you're just rude. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to see her next week, by the way. Oh, um, oh, oh sorry. What, one last thing on that. If I can just add my two cents. Um, you could see, like, in recordings that fans, like the audience, were kind of on that overzealous side. Like, they were kind of giving him that energy. But as soon as Sunmi said that thing... Mm-hmm. Right. Like I said, she, she had the crowd. Yeah. And that was, like, a good example of leadership. And, like, you know, there's a responsibility, honestly. Like, perhaps it's unfair... That like if you're in, you know, you're a celebrity and you're you've got a following that you now have to serve as an example for other people. But you know, that was the right responsible thing to do. Next item. Rose's allegedly leaked verse to Bella Porcha's Build a Bitch song. So did did you guys listen to this? Who? (laughs) Rose. A black no, obvi- I, obviously I know who she is, but I don't know this Bella Porch nor her oh, her song. What? Um, <laughs> it's yeah. a good song. Okay, so I also did not know who she was. Neither had I heard this song. I only heard it because of Rose's verse. <laughs> <laughs> but I have like heard okay. of it on Twitter. Like I've heard, seen the title and I've seen the name pop up on Twitter a lot. Okay, sure. Yeah. So I guess not then, because I'm like... I- what? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. You can say not. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a not. Like, I don't... It, it, if Even if it did exist, it, it, whatever. Wait, 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 wait. Why, why not, Michaela? Um, 
Well, again, as as I, I feel like there there are tons of of collaborations with K-pop artists that never see uh, the light of day. Right. Um, I don't think necessarily. I think I think again, like I said, I don't know who Bella Porch is. I know who Rose is. So I feel like if Rose was featuring in her song, I think that would definitely help Bella out. But Rose doesn't need Bella. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, for me, I would say Daebak just because of the verse itself. Like, the lyrics are fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's some good wordplay in that ver- lyrics. Oh, hell yeah, it is. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Just to read some of these lyrics really quick, like, boys want 50 shades of pink, someone sweet as roses, but my thorns can really sting. I'm not sugarcoating. Um, so that's just one of the verses. But yeah, yeah I... Sorry, go ahead. Sad. I interrupted you. No, I think it's, I mean, Rosé, like she wrote her solo singles as well. So we know that she has good penmanship. So I'm just like, I would say <laughs> that, yeah, you know, release the song. Because <laughs> honestly, we're starving here anyways. You know, they barely get oh, content. Right. I, right. So, sorry. Sorry, Blink. Yeah, like, I was just like. Yeah, Blink, I didn't Blink's get content through secondary sources more than like original albums mm-hmm. and official songs yeah yeah I'm due to the block on this as well boys want 50 shades of pink someone sweet as roses but my thorns can really sting I'm not sugarcoated says he wants to be in love but doesn't like emotions if he thinks that I'll be the one then he forgot this ain't build a bitch you don't get to pick and choose different ass and bigger poops my eyes are brown or blue This ain't build a bitch I'm filled with flaws and attitudes Oh, if you need perfect I'm not before you But moving on uh, Blackpink's Born Pink <laughs> The eight song track list um, Why is this in your beauty? <laughs> is well, it just the titles or the words? <laughs> well, is it oh, too the, short? The, 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 well, yeah, that's the question, right? So like, are you Daybok or not? on the eight songs in their album, in their Born Pink album? I am, I'm both. I'm not debug that in the sense that, like, why just eight songs? Why aren't there more mm-hmm. and uh, more of them? I am debug in the sense that we have songs that are not produced by Teddy Park on this album, which <laughs> is just like <laughs> a glorious angel singing moment for me right now. <laughs> like, finally uh-huh. it's happening. But yeah, no, I think fans have been just like so starved of content that anything is just like, yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> it's okay. Michaela? Um, I, I guess, yeah, said Debak. I would only, I, I kind of lean towards not because there is a song that Teddy has touched. <laughs> I mean, there <laughs> are like four album. songs that he hasn't. So that's good. That's half of the album. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I retweeted that that clip of the remix of uh, what was it, Aaliyah's uh, Try Again and mashed up with Pink Venom. Mm. And it was just like, it, why? Why are we going with this Teddy formula when this sounds amazing, when they get mm-hmm. creative and they do something different? Like the rap sounds so good in this mix versus the official release. Yeah. Well, I, I'm Daybok on eight tracks. I think some fans have critique like, is this even an album if you only have eight tracks? But the cutoff yeah, I think is, it is seven songs. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's there a you se- go. mini album if it's seven. If it, it's a full album, it's if it's eight. 
Okay. Yeah. But I like it's new content and commercially it's working for them. And that's all that really matters. <laughs> um, okay. Well, are, apparently it's not a hundred percent working for them commercially because <laughs> are we, oh, are we yes. Daybuck or not on Blackpink, Pink Venom, not being eligible for music bank, uh, Korean charts. I um, wait. No, I am not Daybuck because like, it's just one word. That is making it. Yeah, so it mentions the brand Celine, which is keeping it from being broadcast because you can't. That's a no-no for for Music Bank. You know what? But I wait because Music Bank doesn't allow promotional advertisers. Yeah, specific brands. You're not supposed to like mention specific brands like Gucci and stuff. Like even that would be. But they can appear in the music videos. Yeah, so it's the way it's ineligible is that it will not be eligible for a music bank win, you know, in their charts, yeah. they are not eligible anymore to compete. But I honestly thought, you know, like we have had this kind of thing happen before where they just changed the lyric, you know, they just changed it with one, one word. Yeah, one thing. EXO did it with uh, Lotto, where they changed it to louder. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. Right. Because <laughs> gambling is illegal in Korea. So you can't be playing the lotto in a song. What are you, are you yeah, crazy? And so they did that. And louder does not make any sense in the context of the song. But yeah, I just thought it was kind of dumb. <laughs> yeah. So wait, Michaela, you were not on that one? Uh, yeah, I'm a not. Hmm. Yeah, I guess I'll jump on the bandwagon. Yeah, I guess it's not as well. Just because it's like, where do you ultimately draw the line? Yeah, no no debauch for censorship. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Especially over something so silly. Yeah, and also like coming like two weeks later, these things are usually determined before the release of the song. (laughs) That a song will not be eligible for certain shows. But they are finally coming coming around and saying that, oh, by the way... (laughs) Okay, are you guys Daybok or not on the Luna tour finally ending? <laughs> and and the remaining standing members who haven't suffered tour casualties. Good God, their show, their con- their tour was just like every single stop they would release a statement <laughs> about some member missing or some member being injured or some member sitting out. It was just a constant like... I, I saw a clip of them on Twitter where they're supposed to be a 12-member group and there were like five of them performing on stage. I was like, that is so sad. <laughs> Just end right? the tour already. Oh. Yeah, yeah. so I'm Daybok for this. Like, I'm happy the fans got to, to see them perform, but this was at what cost? Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, Same. not worth it. So we're, we're all Daybok, it sounds like, mm-hmm. on the tour yeah. ending. Okay, are you guys Daybok? Or not on Billy's Ring My Bell um, and all the notorious facial expressions that go along with it. Yeah, totally Daybok. I love I love Billy. I love that they're 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 kind of being I don't know, they, I feel like they're fresh. They're they're doing different kinds of things with their sound. Mm-hmm. I'm Daybok too, because I mean this song was like really different from the previous song and um, they, I love whenever like artists try rock style and yeah, I mean, the facial expressions look fresh, you know, take 
on fa- ending fairies and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm Deva for mm-hmm. this. They're a really cool group. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Deva kind of as well. Oh, really quick. Who did it better? Girls Day or Billy? Oh, Girls Day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. Still, still Girls Day. But less, mm. but less, less cuts, though. <laughs> In the music video. Fewer cuts, yeah. Fewer cuts. Say it's just not going to answer that one. No. <laughs> like the correct no. answer is no answer. No, I'm that. not answering that Okay. One. Okay, all right. Last one. Are you Daybok or not on Red Velvet's Sulgi's solo debut? Daybok. Daybok? Daybok. Daybok, yes. Sorry. Oh, you're not done yet? Here, I'll be finished. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I am yeah, completely debug about this, and but so I am luck, just like guys. praying, praying, praying that it's not a cute or like bright concept. Like I need her to do like an angsty, sexy 100%, concept. 100%, yes. Okay, sultry. sultry yeah. Like, I need. Yeah. I need what she gave in her like Sugi Irene unit. Yes. Like I need that for her, which and I know she can do. It, I just, I remember there was a. Uh, like a collaboration stage on a show with Selgi, uh, Sunmi, and Le Dewi from uh, AB6. Oh, yes. And yes. that is just my ultimate, like, dream come true Selgi debut. If, like, she goes down that route, that would be so mm-hmm. good. Yes, agreed. Okay, congrats. You guys made it to the end. <laughs> that's, that's the end of the show. Um, so, uh, yeah, let, let's plug your thing so let, let's let's go say it first what uh thing are you here to plug or promote yeah i mean thank you so much for having me uh you guys thank you for coming back are amazing i love talking to you guys and yeah just be sure to follow genius korea we have a really exciting interview coming up soon about um it's related to key's album gasoline that was released last week and oh. yeah, I'm just really excited for all the end of year stuff that we are also planning at Genius Korea. So be sure to follow us on Genius. Oh, Twitter. can we can we get a, can can you give us a tease? Like what 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 sort of end of year things? What can we expect? Yeah. Oh, um, well, we have a lot of exciting Genius charts that we are going to publish. Uh, we are going to do lots of um, station head sessions as well with songwriters and producers that. Hopefully it will work out. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, this upcoming interview I'm really, really excited about because it's so good. It's just incredible. And yeah, it comes out next week. I'm in the middle of like, you know, finishing of the drafts and everything. So. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can find me at Michaela J. K-Pop. And I'm at DJ Peter Lowe. And uh, you can follow all of us at the K-Pop Cast on Twitter. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, check out our newsletter, join the Slack, listen to the playlist of all the other hit replays. And we'll be back. It sounds like we're going to do a Jackson edition uh, for the next episode. Great. So, yeah. All right. Catch you all later. Bye, guys. Bye.